if you're using YouTube strategically and you're creating the right content, you could get a lead from YouTube with your very first video. You could get a sale from YouTube from your very first video. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the First Hustle Then Brunch podcast. As you can tell from the title, today we're talking about YouTube. YouTube currently has over 2 billion users, which means close to half of the global online population are YouTube users. And 62% of US YouTube users access the site daily, which amounts to more than 122 million people. There are a ton of people talking about how to become a YouTuber, However, there aren't nearly as many people teaching business owners how to use YouTube to grow their businesses. So today, I'm speaking with YouTube strategist Trina Little. She helps online course creators and other digital entrepreneurs develop a YouTube strategy that allows them to scale their business by driving more traffic to their offers with the right videos. We're talking about videos that are selling for you and working 24-7 so that you don't have to. Her expertise has helped countless businesses establish a strong online presence and achieve unprecedented growth through the power of video. As someone who has dabbled in YouTube a little bit, I was really excited to have her on and I just know that you all have learned so much from her. So let's go ahead and get started. Hey Trina, welcome to the First Hustle Then Brunch podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm looking forward to learning a lot about YouTube. I'm, I've dabbled in it a little bit, but there's definitely a lot that I can learn. Yes, for sure. I'm ready. Yeah, excited to have you. So um, before we get started, do you want to go ahead and tell everyone a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, so I come from a background. I went to school for marketing and communications, and then I ended up working for the federal government after college and an opportunity was being able to get my MBA. And while I was working there, I got pregnant with my first daughter and found YouTube. <laughs> um, I oh, was wow. one of the first of my friends to be pregnant. And I was like, what the heck is happening to my, to my body? And I started following oh, yeah. basically mommy vloggers on YouTube. And I was like, wow, this is interesting. Like my marketing brain hadn't been used for so long in the government. Mm -hmm. And I was seeing how these girls were basically building a brand on themselves. And I was willing to buy anything they told me they were buying because I felt <laughs> like we were besties, even though yeah. they had no idea who I was. Uh, <laughs> and so then I just dove in to try to figure out how they were using YouTube. I assumed all of these brands were already using YouTube and nobody was using YouTube. Mm. Uh, and so I just took it upon myself, self-taught YouTube. And um, I just, it started kind of snowballing, showing business owners how to use YouTube in their business. It's such a great platform to build that relationship. A lot of people look at YouTube as a search engine, but it is a massive community builder. And we're just told that time and time again, where we see these YouTubers, quote unquote, build these brands and get deals with like Walmart. So I think, you know, Ryan's mm -hmm. toy channel and Rosanna, yeah. I can't think of her last name, has like a whole cooking line, I think with like Target. And it just goes to show how powerful YouTube can be in marketing if we mm -hmm. use it the right way as business owners. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And when you started, did you dive right into that specific niche, helping business owners, or did you try anything else? I started as a mommy vlogger. 
Um, okay. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to do brand deals. I'm going to get like free Disney trips. Like that's the route I'm going. <laughs> oh, that would and be then nice. Yeah. I tried to vlog in Target and I was like, this isn't my jam. <laughs> this is not how this is going to work. <laughs> I, in fact, yeah. when I record my content, it took a long time. The first couple of years, like my husband couldn't even be in the house. It's like, you got to mm-hmm. go. I'm recording my videos. I need quiet and I don't want you yeah. to hear me. Uh, but thanks to the <laughs> pandemic, the kids sit here in the room with me. My husband is here. So I, it doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's gotten used to it. Yes. <laughs> I'm the same way. I actually, one of my friends, I was watching her Instagram story earlier today and she said she feels like she has phone voice whenever she gets on like Instagram, does a story. Yeah. And that's basically how it is. It's like, <laughs> okay. And I'm on <laughs> YouTube <laughs> you <know>? face. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It does feel like that sometimes. <laughs> Cool. Um, so I've watched several of your YouTube videos and I know there's one where you talk about using Instagram versus YouTube. So what are your thoughts there? Can you discuss the difference between the platforms and why you would recommend, you know, doing more on YouTube? Yeah. So the reason why I love YouTube is because that content lives for so long. Um, I have a specific video that, I mean, every time I check my analytics in my channel, which is part of my routine, is from 2019. And that Mm. video not only is getting, you know, 200 plus views every single month to this day, it still builds my email list to this day. And I know there is no Instagram post from 2019 that is building my email list to this day. (laughs) Yeah. Um, YouTube is also what I call pool content. And so people, your audience is actively searching for your content on YouTube. So they're going to be more willing to lean in and listen and active and engaged with your content. Whereas Instagram is noisy. We're just pushing content on people. And so Mm. I think it's really important to have a YouTube strategy for that, but also for long form content because long form content just does such a great job of building relationships with people, uh, building trust and loyalty. And again, YouTube just kind of has it all built in, in a nice little package I think Instagram is great and I use Instagram, but I use Instagram more as a community builder, almost not a builder, a nurturer, um, where I can share more of my personal side where people can get my authority on YouTube, but then they get a sense of who I am as a human to decide if that's the person they want to work with. Um, Mm. So I do think they go hand in hand, but I think YouTube is the place that is going to help you get more leads and sales. I will say when we look at our Google Analytics dashboard, even if we have the same amount of traffic to our sales page from YouTube versus Instagram, our conversion rates are always higher from our leads from YouTube. Wow. Yeah, that was one of the reasons why I reached out to you because I don't know many people that are sharing this information about YouTube and how, you know, it is so helpful at driving sales toward for your courses and services and that sort of thing. So yeah, what are some common misconceptions that business owners have when it comes to YouTube that you've heard? Yeah. So I think a lot of business owners look at YouTube and tracking success based on what the YouTube educators are telling us. But most of those YouTube mm-hmm. educators are helping 
influencers or people who want to be YouTubers build a channel. And those are totally different metrics that you need to be looking at, different kind of content that you need to be looking at than as a business owner. Uh, Because as a business owner, you know, we have our own business model. And if we can just narrow our content in to get in front of the right people that are ready for our course, are ready to work with us, it's not about the amount of views and subscribers. It's about attracting the right people. And so I think a lot Mm -hmm. of misconceptions are that, oh, I got to start a YouTube channel. It's going to take me forever to see any kind of results because I need (laughs) 10,000 subscribers. I don't know. Uh, But in reality, if you're using YouTube strategically and you're creating the right content, you could get a lead from YouTube with your very first video. You could get a sale from YouTube Mm. from your very first video. And so that's one of the biggest things that I've really kind of come out over the past couple of months. I mean, I've talked about it for a long time and it's taken a long time for people to kind of hear it, but it has picked up more recently and it's just trying to get across as a business owner your strategy and your metrics that you're tracking, the success of your strategy are totally different than what most YouTube educators are telling you and how to grow a YouTube channel. Mm, okay. Yeah. That's a big difference that we're definitely going to have to dive into a little <laughs> bit more. Yeah. So yeah, before we go there, can you share like an overview of the overall pos- process of, you know, creating a video for YouTube from start to finish at a high yeah. level? Yeah, so uh, today was a batch day for me, so that's why you're getting me in makeup and lipstick because that's not a normal day for me. (laughs) Um, And so I really, there's a process that we go through in our business in the Trina Little Business called Keyword Harvesting. And it's kind of one of the first things we do when we build strategies for our clients or work with our clients to build a strategy. And then that helps us map out content based on figuring out what your ideal viewer is looking for, what they're searching for. And so by going through this process, it's a lengthy process, but you only have to do it really once in the lifetime Mm. of your channel, maybe a second time if you want to tweak it or uh, pivot your channel a little bit. And so it's basically the first step is coming up with the right video ideas for your audience. Uh, From there, I say it's always important when you have a content idea to come up with your titles first. Titles will make or break your YouTube videos. It doesn't matter how professional they are, how great edited they are. If the title and the thumbnail don't get people to click, no one's going to see it. And if people aren't clicking on it, YouTube's going to bury it. And so people Mm. will never even see it. So I always start planning my content out with the title first and then figuring out the thumbnail concept as well. And I just do this by going on YouTube and getting inspiration from other thumbnails that are attracting my attention and how I can do it for that particular video. From there, I script out my video, but I don't script it word for word. I think uh, scripting word for word and trying to read from a teleprompter, that's it. I feel like that takes away your energy and your personality. And so I think it's really important to just do a video game plan is what I call it and kind Mm. of map out the direction of the videos, making sure you're including key key parts of the video, like a hook. Your video must open with a strong, solid hook because you have three to five seconds to keep people's attention really giving them super valuable information and then having a strong call to action at the end of the video as well. In fact, uh, I see a lot of people make a mistake. I go like subscribe and comment. 
that's not going to get anybody to do anything because it gives them no reason to. And like, which one do you want me to do? I'm not going to do all of those. And so one way we teach our clients is once you kind of write your video game plan, going back into your video and about halfway through figuring out how you can seamlessly talk or pitch about your offer that you have or your opt-in so that it's weaved in there organically and you don't feel so salesy and that's your primary call to action, then at the end of the video, your secondary uh, call to action is going to be to get them to watch another video. Um, Because if we're going to be on YouTube, we want to make our business happy, but we also want to make YouTube algorithm happy so it does the hard work for us. Uh, Mm -hmm. And also the marketing rule of seven, right? If people, it takes people about seven touch points before they want to, you know, learn more or buy from us. So by getting people to binge content of yours, it's going to increase your likelihood that they will want to work with you. Uh, So planning out that call to action to what video they should watch next. From there, I will batch all of my scripting on a Tuesday. Uh, And then on a Wednesday, I will shoot my week is a little adjusted since we're recording this the week of July 4th. But um, then typically on a Wednesday is when I will shoot my videos. Um, At the moment, I like batching two to three videos. Uh, It allows me to have enough energy to show up in the videos and not get so run down. I have recorded up to 15 in one day. Oh my goodness. Yeah, that's a lot. (laughs) Um, but two to three is great for me. And then I just cycle through that routine every other week. And so every Mm -hmm. other week I'm planning, scripting content, recording content so I can stay consistent and try to stay ahead of schedule with my video editor. Uh, and that's kind of my process for doing my content. Okay. Yeah. There's a lot that we can go into because I have questions (laughs) about everything. (laughs) Okay. First, um, I know you said titles and all of that is important, but I'm wondering, is there a specific video format or style that tends to perform better for businesses on YouTube? I think talking heads are great. I I don't think you need to overcomplicate it. Like I said, I hate vlogging. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I do occasionally, maybe like once or twice a year, a vlog on my YouTube channel as a community piece of content so people can see, you know, what my life looks like without me mm-hmm. sitting here in my desk. Um, yeah. But just sharing valuable content and building your authority and letting people see that you know what you know. Yeah, that's why I was wondering if you have to stick to all educational content when you're, you know, your goal is to get sales for your business or if you can mix in some of that lifestyle content in there as well. Yeah. So when you're building a YouTube strategy, it's really important to have two types of content, um, Mm. discoverable content, which is basically that content that's going to cast a net out to drive people to you. And this is the type of content that's tutorials, how to's, they're going to show up in search while people have a problem and you're going to solve it for them. And the problem with going 100% in with how-tos and tutorials, you're going to just attract people that take the answer and leave. And so you're going to have a big channel, not a big channel, but your channel's traffic is going to come from non-subscribers and people that don't care about you. And so the other piece of your YouTube strategy are those community style videos where you let people know a little bit more about you. These are the hardest one for me to do because like I said, I don't like to, I like to just share the content, but like lessons learned, um, mistakes you've made vlogs. I did a whole series at the end of last year, uh, when the whole 
Taylor Swift Eras Tour came out and I did my <laughs> yeah. business Eras journey. And it was five videos of my first five years in business. And so now we use that as a key piece of content on my channel that we direct people to to get to know more about me. And that's how you develop relationships on YouTube. And that's how you're going to also get people to want to work with you um, instead of just like how to, how to, how to. They need yeah. to have a reason to connect with you as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I struggled for a couple of reasons. Um, one, so I have a YouTube channel. <laughs> you don't want to go look at it. <laughs> I, I've tried. Um, but I feel like a big issue for me, I did try scripting and mm -hmm. using the whole teleprompter for a couple of the videos and they really did not feel authentic at all. Like it did not feel like me. I feel like a news reporter. It just, yeah, I did not like it. And then on top of that, so I'm in the personal finance niche and I feel like it was hard for me to mix in some lifestyle content or as well. I wasn't sure if I could, if that would be like too confusing for anyone that's coming to my YouTube channel, like they're going there to learn, but also I just want to talk about other things sometimes. So yeah, I'm kind of trying to figure that out. As long as it ties back to that audience that will be watching you. And so you really want to think about your channel. Who is this for? So for example, my channel is for online course creators and coaches who want to use YouTube to generate more traffic to their offers, make more sales, get more leads. But that audience also knows I'm a mom. And I mean, I'm not going to create a video on how to organize my toy room, but <laughs> I'm going to share like how I balance summertime being a mom with my business. And so I can share a little bit more lifestyle there. Um, mm. They're also going to be interested in software and tools that I use, how I plan out my calendar, uh, how I copyright launch. And so it does open up some different pieces of content or our um, niches, but it all ties back into that particular person you built that channel for, because that's what trains the algorithm to find more of those people. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. And along those lines too, how can people figure out what to even create videos about, about when they first get started? Yeah. Truly understanding who your content is for. And so really what pain points are they having? What struggles are they having? What are the challenges that they're having and create videos that solve that problem? Because you want to think about how is your audience searching to solve their problem on YouTube. And you can go into the YouTube search bar and start typing out something and it's going to populate what people are actually typing into YouTube. And so I think it's just really important to understand your target audience, really, you know, what are they struggling with? Uh, just, you know, get inside their brain and create content to solve that problem so that once those people, once your target audience starts finding you in search and they start watching, YouTube's going to be able to better understand the type of person that is going to watch your content. And so it's going to collect data point basically on people who are watching your content to find more people with similar viewer behavior and serve your content to them. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And then would you say that your goal should be to create viral content? No. I don't know if there's really a difference. Yeah, it seems like probably not if you want them to stick around. Yeah, so I mean, what viral content does is can kind of confuse the algorithm. Mm. And so uh, what happened, so I have an example of a viral video that I had and 
I knew when I did it, it would probably go viral. And I had it in my head. It's it's a real mind warp on YouTube mm-hmm. as a business owner versus a create like a content creator because you think you need to go viral and you think you need more views, but then there's this constant other shoulder that's your business side that says no you just need the right people to watch it and so I did this one video just to go viral and what it did is it totally messed up my algorithm and Mm. I started attracting people who want to grow a YouTube channel to be a YouTuber oh yeah those people were not going to buy my coaching program not going to buy Mm -hmm. my course because they had no uh, plan to start a business. They just wanted to be a popular YouTuber. And so I've been working for the past nine to 10 months to get the algorithm to adjust itself back to business owners. And so, yeah, you want to be very cautious of going viral because not all people are the right people for you. If you can track the traffic you're getting to your offers from YouTube, that will give you a better uh, sense of security almost because you're not going to get massive views or subscribers. But if you see sales increasing, you see traffic increasing because of YouTube, that can kind of help you feel better about focusing on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I kind of had that idea, you know, because sometimes even on TikTok, for example, if you go viral for something that's completely not within your niche, you've mm-hmm. attracted all these people that can't relate at all and aren't going to become your customer. So yeah. I even, I talked to a friend of mine who he was helping a friend of his. Now we're getting like far out, but um, (laughs) they had like this massive TikTok following, but the audience was so scattered that when they released an online course, they couldn't even get like 10 sales because Mm. the audience wasn't the right audience. So you had this, you know, hundred thousand followers on TikTok, but none of it was the audience that was going to buy from him. So it's a cautionary tale of going Mm -hmm. viral. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I know you mentioned, you know, embedding your call to actions within the videos. Mm -hmm. Do you have any other tips for helping turn your views into sales? Yeah, doing that, um, you in your description box, I have like defaults. So every time I upload my video, the same thing goes into the description box. In addition to we add specific things for every single video, but letting people know where they can learn more about you or adding your lead magnet or your webinar. You also have, you know, your channel homepage where you can feature a link up top as well. So those are all great places. I've also done, um, specific sales videos for my YouTube channel where I've shared behind the scenes of my course and Mm -hmm. walk through all the different elements of my course and why they're important and what they're going to get out of it. So I've also done sales videos on my channel as well. Oh, wow. Yeah. I haven't thought about doing that. I have a course too. So that might be, yeah, another good idea. Mm Mm-hmm. So I know with uh, YouTubers, specifically creators, there's a lot of competition, I guess, within niches sometimes. So, you know, figuring out a way to stand out is really important. Mm -hmm. Do you find that that's the case for business owners on YouTube? Like, I don't even know. Do you feel like there is a lot of competition? Yeah. I mean, you really want to think about who you're talking to and what makes you unique. And so, There are a lot of YouTube educators on YouTube talking about YouTube. Um, There are also YouTube educators on YouTube talking about how to use YouTube as a business owner. But my specialty, which makes me stand out, is I'm a female. 
uh, and I'm also a mom. And so I get the struggles that female business owners have. Uh, first of all, feeling confident on camera, showing up on mm-hmm. camera, dealing with having to do hair and makeup just to show up where a dude can roll <laughs> yeah. out of bed and shoot a video. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also understand, you know, balancing being a mom because most of the time as the mom, you're the person taking them to school, taking them to doctor's appointments. If they're off of school, you, you have to balance all of that. And so that gives me that unique uh, experience that makes me stand out. And so I don't think it's necessarily, you know, figuring out how to be different, but sharing, you know, your unique perspective to your niche and what makes you different because mm-hmm. everybody is going to be drawn to somebody, whether they like them or not. And not everybody has to like us, but we need for people to see why we're different and unique from everybody else. Yeah. And do you feel like you have a separate community on YouTube compared to your Instagram, for example, or do those kind of, you know, match up a little bit? I feel like they match up pretty well because, uh, I started on YouTube and I, I do YouTube every single week and, There's a lot of cross-promoting my YouTube content over on Instagram. Um, A lot Mm -hmm. of the content that I create on Instagram aligns with the YouTube content that goes out that week. Same thing with my newsletter. So I do feel like it's a a close audience, whereas I do a little bit of TikTok, and that's a completely different audience. (laughs) (laughs) You really never know what you're going to get with TikTok. Yeah. I love it, but yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I know you just mentioned, you know, women, we feel like we have to get all dolled up before we get on camera. What tips do you have for people who, one, either aren't comfortable on camera, but they've never done this before. Do you have any tips that could help them, you know, kind of get over that Mm -hmm. fear potentially of, you know, being in front of people? Yeah, I can't come and force you to turn the camera on. Uh, But Mm -hmm. I will tell you that it won't get easier. Uh, You won't build that confidence if you don't do it. So you have to just show up and force, if you really want to be on YouTube and utilize YouTube as a lead generator, you have to just force yourself to hit record. I'm going to tell you probably your first videos, you're going to feel like they suck. You're going to pick apart everything that you do. I still don't feel like my videos are perfect in my mind, but we are our own worst critic. And it was like, it was two weeks ago um, they sent me my video. My team sent me my video and said, okay, it's ready to go up on YouTube. And I was watching it and I was like, oh, I have lipstick on my teeth. And <laughs> oh, I no. had one of my team members reviewed that video twice because we had some edits and then she watched it a second time and she didn't mm-hmm. even notice it. And so that's yeah. another example of how we are so wrapped up on criticizing ourselves so much that a lot of people are not looking at the things that we're looking at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I feel like, you know, they're probably listening for the actual content and then we're just staring at ourselves. <laughs> yeah. And, and I mean, honestly, the best way to get better at it, and I'm going to, I mean, this is the same way with me when I watch my first couple of videos, I'm like, whoa, tone it back. Like I thought I needed to be like big and like extra. And I'm like, ah, mm-hmm. but uh, you learn it. You're going to have to watch yourself back. It's going to be cringy. It's still cringy for me, but <laughs> that's the only way you're going to get better and you're going to feel better on video. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is super awkward, you know, <laughs> recording and just staring into a camera lens, especially yeah. like if you're not using your phone to record. Yeah, 
compared yeah. to like filming a TikTok. At least you could kind of see if you have it on the selfie mode, you can see yourself, which is weird, but still not as bad as just like staring at this camera lens. So it does take yeah. some getting used to. Yeah, or you could get, I have my cameras right here, but I have like the flip out lens. And so it's super easy for me to see if mm. I am in centered. Um, yeah. You also don't want to be looking at the lens either. You want to be looking at, you know, you want to be looking into the camera so it feels like you're speaking to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I know you just pulled out your camera. Do you want to share like what equipment you use, what you recommend for people to have? Um, because I feel like, especially if you're doing this for business, you feel like you need to have everything like figured out. I need the, the lights and the fancy camera and the sound equipment, like everything right now. Yeah. Uh, keep it super simple because you're already going to be battling with your confidence as it is. And so you're mm-hmm. going to find ways to procrastinate and not do And so making it super simple, obviously, thanks to TikTok and Instagram, right? Our phones are a great place to start. Obviously, we're not going to do vertical. We're going to do it horizontal. Um, Most phones are great enough to do your YouTube videos on your phone. I use uh, the one that I showed you. is It's a point-and-shoot camera. It's called the Sony ZV-1. And then I just put it on the same tripod that my webcam is on right now. And that is, that is my setup. I have a ring light in front of me that I use, you know, in podcasts on zooms. It's just a ring light that basically sits there that again, I'll use for my YouTube videos. And then I have a window to the one side of me here. And so I do need another light on the other side to balance that light. So I have a softbox light and that's as fancy as I get, because if I overcomplicate it and it takes me too long to set things up, I won't do it. I spent last, at the beginning of last year, I bought one of the fancy YouTube cameras. It's, I don't know, it's it's back on my um, desk back there. And it was probably close to $1,000 after all said and done with the lens and the camera. And it Mm -hmm. drove me bonkers. I could never (laughs) get it focused right. I hated setting it up. I hated trying to figure it out. And the point and shoot camera for me, it just makes it, incredibly easy to just do content yeah I actually have that same camera I got a year or two ago um yeah I love it it's so easy to use in the mode you just hit that little (laughs) record button so easy and then I like how it has that bokeh option where it'll blur the background for you it's just like they really made it for video creators I feel like that camera specifically so yeah super nice and I think that's all you really need to get started don't overthink it Mm mm-hmm Yeah. And you film all your videos pretty much in that same position and spot. Yeah. I mean, I will pick up my tripod and just move it to an angle. I'm literally Mm -hmm. just like moving my chair to the left (laughs) or to the right. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Because I have small kids and I don't want to, it's bad enough that I have to clean my desk off and put all the junk on my (laughs) desk on the floor. I don't want to run through my house to have to clean it up. Yeah. Um, when I'm feeling ambitious and I want to get creative, I will try different spots. So I have shot like in my kitchen and outside and tried to do, Mm -hmm. you know, more advanced, but I know I can sit down here and shoot a really good YouTube video and bang it out in 40 minutes if I just sit here. So Mm -hmm. yeah, Yeah. a lot easier. I was thinking about doing the same thing because I, I'm like, maybe I should try to mix it up, you know, go around the house. have different camera angles and different scenes but that's also just a lot and then it also keeps me from actually filming so another easy way to do it is if you do you know like your a roll which is your talking head to the camera and then you run around and you get b roll to show it over top of your a roll and 
One thing that we encourage our clients to do when we're working with them and that I've done is collected B-roll, a B-roll library. So like Mm. one day I just took my camera and my tripod around different places in the house. And so one was like in my bedroom where I'm like reading in bed or I'm listening to a podcast in bed or I'm writing in a notebook. And then I did the same stuff down on the couch and then I did the same stuff in my office. And then I shot B-roll, you know, of me typing overhead behind to the side, to the front and just collecting a bunch of B-roll and using that multiple times. Like we've been using that B-roll for over a year now and it's the same Mm clips that I did all in one day, but it just gives your video that extra to it without extra work for you other than that one day or so. Yeah, that's a good idea. Have you found, you may not know if there's really a difference here, but using stock videos versus like your own B-roll, have you found a difference in performance? No, we use both. Okay. I think my video editor is getting tired of using mine because it's like a year old now (laughs) and I feel like she's been pushing me to do newer ones and I'm like, "Ah, Mm -hmm. I don't have time, but yeah, we use stock and we use my own and yeah. Yeah, it works. I see both on YouTube videos all the time, so I figure there probably wasn't a huge difference since a lot of people are doing that. Yeah, so you just mentioned that you have a video editor What tools do you recommend for editing your videos? If you've used tools before, you brought in your editor. Yeah. I mean, the first four years in my business, I edited and I was even editing my clients' videos when I started my agency. And I started on iMovie because I had um, Mac products. And then I did graduate to Final Cut Pro. It's like $300. But what's great Mm -hmm. about Final Cut Pro Compared to like Adobe, it's a subscription, whereas Final Cut Pro, you pay $300 and you have it for good. Um, And uh, Final Cut, no, yeah, Final Cut Pro is basically iMovie without training wheels. So it's a little bit more advanced, but I Mm -hmm. think most people can get by with iMovie and edit their own content. Um, But Adobe Premiere Pro, I tried to play around with that, and I was even part of Adobe creator camp once where they were trying to teach us premiere pro <laughs> and it still was just like i'm like oh, i'm comfortable over here sorry you're not going to convince me um so just finding something simple i think a lot of people in my community use like sony vegas is one that people use uh, okay but video editing drives me bonkers so i just use what i know and i know i mm-hmm. and i know final cut pro <laughs> yeah i've used iMovie and i was actually thinking about going ahead and trying final cut pro just because I actually really like editing. So I would probably find that fun and just being able to apply the effects myself and figuring out I've used an editor too for some of my videos and it's great. But I think when you're still trying to figure out your own style, Mm -hmm. it's better to kind of figure that out before you outsource it to somebody else. And then they try to figure it out and you're like, "Eh, I don't know if I like that. And I can't really explain why. (laughs) Yeah. What's helpful for us. um, One thing that we do when we worked with our agency clients is was like, please go on YouTube and watch some videos and look at editing styles and tell us what you like about certain videos so that our video mm. editor can get a sense of what you like. Do you like fast cuts or slow cuts? Or just like if we have an idea to for a starting point of what style mm-hmm. of editing you like, it helps us kind of get to that end result faster. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good idea. Mm-hmm. And do you have any recommendations for where people can find editors? Mm. If I knew, because uh, that's one of the biggest <laughs> slowdowns in our agency is finding editors. Um, 
I, there was an editing service called Video Husky at one point in time. Um, I think they still exist, but the problem that I had is I think they were based out of the Philippines. And if I was late Mm. creating content, it was like a day behind because they would do the video and send it to me. By then it was the end of my day. And by the time I watched the next day, um, yeah, I've done that before. I've also just, it it worked out well for a little bit just because, you know, I could give the edits and then go to bed and I wake up and then have the new version to review. But then, yeah, you do have all day long. You had to wait till they wake up. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, uh, I honestly went on Instagram to find the two editors that we work with in our agency. And I just typed in like video editor. I looked mm. at their portfolios, their videos. And yeah, that's what I used Instagram. <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea. I mean, these days you can probably yeah. find Instagram, TikTok. Like, yeah. Yeah. I know I've been on Upwork and Fiverr too. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, people leave reviews there too. So that might be helpful. I know you mentioned that you have posted a video weekly, I believe, for the past several years. Mm -hmm. So what role does consistency play in being successful on YouTube and how can businesses maintain that regular posting schedule? Yeah, I think it's important to be consistent because like I said, again, you're going to get better on video the more you do it. I even noticed like when I was batching really far out, I, I did a batch the last time I had my my last kid which he's six now so that's been a while and (laughs) I didn't shoot videos for two or three months after that and I could tell how rusty I was and it took me Mm. a lot longer to get through my content Uh, and so it just keeps your muscle engaged um and so I think that's really important and then as far as just showing up every single week it's for your audience if they're going to subscribe to you you need to be committed to showing up for them and giving them content. Um, obviously, you're building out a content library too. So each week you put a new video up. It's what we call compounding views. So every mm. time you put a new video up, that video is going to get views, but that's also going to attract viewers to older videos. And so not only are you going to get views on the video you published, but it's also going to drive views to older videos as well. Um, and I also encourage you to think what is success on YouTube because if you're chasing like a silver play button will Mm -hmm. that silver play button equal revenue in your business because I've worked with people with silver play buttons and hundreds of thousands of subscribers and me with a small channel of like 50,000 subscribers I was still making more money than them overall because I had a business model and I wasn't trying to track the masses. I was trying to drive the right people to my content that would want to mm-hmm. work with me or buy from me. Yeah. I was actually, that was going to be one of my next questions was, you know, does subscriber count really matter, which you've kind of just answered that one. And then what metrics are most important for mm-hmm. evaluating your success as a business owner on YouTube versus as a creator? Yeah. I, like I said, I think it's important. Um, Google analytics, you can set up and see what kind of traffic is coming from YouTube and what kind of traffic is converting from YouTube. I think that's important. You could also create, you know, whatever funnel that you have duplicate it and just use that link on YouTube so that, you know, that is the only traffic coming to that particular funnel from YouTube. If you don't have Google analytics set up and there are certain metrics on YouTube that you need to be looking at, um, that, typical YouTube creators would be looking at, but you want to be looking at 
like I said, click-through rate, how well your title and your thumbnail are getting people to click on, and then your audience retention. So if people aren't watching your video, YouTube is not going to push it because if they leave after the first 15, 20 seconds, YouTube's not going to make any money on it. And mm-hmm. so it's going to push other videos that people are actually watching. And so click-through rate and audience retention are really important to be looking at at least monthly as a creator on YouTube, as a business owner, because you still have to make YouTube happy for them to push your right. videos. Yeah. So what are some of the best ways to increase your watch time since that's so important? studying your audience retention graph. So getting content out and looking at, okay, when are people leaving? Why are people leaving? Am I putting fluff content in here? Can I show more of what I'm talking about instead of just telling? And that was a big lesson Mm -hmm. for me a few years ago is if I could show examples of what I was talking about, people watched longer. Um, And so just looking at your audience retention and seeing, you know, where people are leaving, why maybe they are leaving, and then try to improve that in the next video and see if that increased um, your video watch time or your audience Mm -hmm. retention. Right. Yeah. Along those lines too, it seems like, you know, the length of the video should be just as long as it needs to be for, you know, conveying whatever you're trying to teach and not blabbering on or trying to hit like some arbitrary 15 minute 30 minute mark or whatever just to hit it there is no golden number um Mm -hmm. a lot of people were like it has to be 10 minutes and there's no 10 minute golden number I just yeah it's as long as it needs to be to deliver on that title that's why I think it's so important for you to know that title because you have to ensure you deliver on it Uh, more Mm -hmm. recently the past couple of months we've been doing longer videos so some of our videos are sometimes 20 to 30 minutes long and people are watching that I think I just did a dive. I was sharing my screen for a video I filmed today. And one of my videos, people were watching over seven minutes of that particular mm. video. Uh, and it just has to be valuable. It just has to be however long it needs to be to deliver on the promise you put in that title. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense for sure. Yeah. And then along those lines with the title and how important it is, I know there's tools such as vidIQ and I think TubeBuddy. Do you use those tools in your business and is that what you use to help you write better titles? I use them to come up with the topic and Mm. then YouTube is so smart that no matter what you upload, YouTube knows what you're saying. So it knows what your content is about. You wouldn't even have to put a keyword in the title for YouTube to know know what it's about. You just want to think about your titles as headlines and what's going to pique curiosity and make people say, I need to figure out what this video is about. I need to hear what this video is about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the same thing with the thumbnail too. I know yeah, I've heard like, don't the- repeat your title in the thumbnail. Yes. yes. <laughs> Do not repeat your title in your thumbnail. You're taking up valuable real estate. Your title and your thumbnail should work together to tell a story. Your Thumbnail should only have maybe three to five words max on it. I think it's important to also have yourself on the thumbnail. Um, Studies have shown that people are more likely to click on a thumbnail with a human face that they can see the whites Mm -hmm. of your eyes. It's more trustworthy. Um, But I do use vidIQ sometimes to come up with title alternatives. So I will come up with a title and then they have like an AI title generator now that just gives me some more ideas or I will take, you know, it recommends five at a time. Maybe I may take a piece of one and a piece of another to come up with a title idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that's really cool. 
I know there's now AI is taking over. <laughs> so I think I've seen their AI title generator. And then I also was watching a YouTube video where someone like allowed an AI to create the entire video. So there's like the faceless videos now where there's an AI doing the voiceover and everything. And it's just so creepy and yeah. weird. <laughs> I think if you're going to have one-on-one services or you're going to have a course, people have to connect with you. So you have mm-hmm. to show up. It's kind of counterintuitive to do an AI generated yeah. content. Um, those do really well for people who want to make a lot of money on AdSense uh, and not have that business model, but you can't control AdSense revenue either. You could make a lot of money in one month and then AdSense not be popping the next month and not make as much money. Whereas in your mm-hmm. business, it helps you get consistent revenue in your business. Right. Yeah. So the whole idea of monetizing on YouTube for businesses would be less about ad revenue from AdSense mm-hmm. and more about driving traffic to your own offers. Yeah, it's an additional stream of revenue, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a lot. I mean, I have I have a client that makes around five to six thousand dollars a month. She has over a hundred and fifty thousand subscribers. Um, but for me, I make a couple hundred dollars a month. My goal is just to make enough on YouTube AdSense to pay for my video editor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, that's a good goal. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. This has been very helpful. You've covered a ton of my questions. Is there anything else that people should know about using YouTube for their business? Yeah, just do it. I'm going to tell you, you won't regret it. Um, There are so (laughs) many benefits. Not only do you have this long form content, but if you're looking to be a speaker or book engagements or have podcasts reach out to you or summits reach out to you, being on YouTube gives you a leg up on the competition because they get to see your style. They get to see your um, personality. They get to see your expertise and they're going to be more likely to lean into choosing you over people that they haven't seen uh, content from. And it can Mm -hmm. be a lot of work, but there are ways to streamline it and there are ways to make it possible for you to do Because you don't want to keep dancing on TikTok, so. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I used to do that, and it was a lot of fun for, like, five minutes. And now I'm just like, oh, no. (laughs) And then YouTube, I mean, it it also takes us one video a week. Honestly, I think you can see results Mm -hmm. just doing one piece of content a week. And you're all complaining about, you know, stories and reels and posting on Instagram every day. I'm telling you, YouTube, one video a week. Yeah. You see results. You've inspired me to get okay. back out there and, and go for it. Yeah, because I'm that person that's complaining about. <laughs> oh, yeah, I did. I'm the one that's complaining about uh, I have to post on stories again and like post on Instagram a million times a day. Mm. And yeah, just one video a week. I got to I got to commit. I got to do it. And I just had a baby. I don't know if you saw. So my baby's six months old now. So I'm busy and I don't have time to be on Instagram every single day. So <laughs> I just yeah, did a I story on Instagram video, today. It was my first one in like three weeks. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I like Instagram, but I was on vacation and my YouTube videos were doing it for me. Yeah, exactly. I love Mm -hmm. that. So, and that's another reason I, you know, I have the podcast that evergreen content lives on forever, which is really great. And that's why I'm interested in YouTube because I I do like the evergreen nature of it. Mm -hmm. And I have a blog, but that was also another beast. And I feel like it's much easier to put out a video than it is for me to put out a blog every week, but that's just me. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, cool. So one of the last questions I always ask my guests 
is what is the most important lesson you've learned when it comes to entrepreneurship that you wish you had learned sooner? Oh, um, do it messy. Like stop waiting and just Mm -hmm. do it. Uh, I get into my head and just rip the bandaid off and do whatever you're wanting to do. Do it messy because you can always make it better. Um, so yeah, just rip the bandaid off and do it. Yeah. I love that. I know there's that quote. I'm not going to say it correctly, but they say like, you'll be looking back, you know, five years from now, the time's going to pass regardless. So, you know, you might as well. You got me on that one. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So do you want to go ahead and tell everyone where they can find you online? Yeah, um, obviously YouTube, just trinalittle.com forward slash YouTube. And I do hang out on Instagram. It's probably my second platform just as, you know, nurture my community, trinalittle.com forward slash Instagram. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for tuning in to the First Hustle Then Brunch podcast. If you enjoyed this episode or learned something new, I'd love if you subscribed and left us a review. Another way to support the podcast is to take a screenshot of this episode and share it on your Instagram story. Tag me at first hustle then brunch so I can repost it. Thank you so much for supporting the show and I'll see you in the next episode.